Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Survive and Thrive, a podcast that brings you stories and perspectives on how in changing times, leaders and organizations can not only transform to survive, but also thrive. I'm your host, Jennifer Ayers. During this season, our third season, we want to help our listeners learn how to positively influence the change they want to see in their organization, how to minimize disruption, and even normalize the concept that change is usual. We'll do this by exploring stories and insights from various professionals who have either gone through a change, led a change, or have been a part of a change in some way. We'll hear what's worked for them, what lessons they can share, and what experiences they can impart. Through this podcast, we want to help people figure out ways to successfully navigate change and, what I like to say, help unlock the magic in the organization. So for today... I'm very happy to have Maria Yanushikova. She is going to tell you a little bit more about herself, but she is a change management professional at Johnson & Johnson. She'll have much to say and things for you to consider when helping an organization through change. So Maria, please say a little bit about your background and how you got to your role today. Hello, everybody. Hi, Jennifer. Happy to be here. And thank you for the opportunity to speak on this topic that I'm very passionate about. You know, Jennifer, I think it's important uh, just to say that, first of all, I am truly passionate about change and change management overall. I think it's the only thing that is always present in our lives, especially nowadays. For my part, I've been also changing a lot of things in my life, throughout my life. Uh, every time I think about it, I've been in the heart of the change all the time. I think that was very natural for me to actually start my career in change management back in 2007. And I've been very fortunate to be part of really great companies, organizations that were investing in change management. Just in a nutshell, I've been within this profession for more than 15 years. I think there is constantly a lot to learn sky is the limit, as we say. And I believe that for all of us, there is so much to learn and so much of value in this. I love hearing the passion in Maria's voice. While we've all come to learn the importance of change management, especially in the past two years, I'd love to hear more about how Maria found her way into change management at a time when most of us probably never even heard of it. Not only that, but she worked in change management over the years and across the country, from the U.S. to China to Russia. I was born and raised in Russia, and this is where I started my career in one of the actually global companies of in the beer industry. And I was working in one of the breweries. I still love the smell of the beer. Or if I walk by the brewery, I still, you know, feel that I need to go in, you know, have a little bit of a sip. So really, really great. And, you know, it was the time when everything just got so globalized and all of the companies started, you know, embarking on the journeys of standardization, of ERP implementations. And I heard from headquarters, it was in Moscow at the time, that they are looking for someone to actually be part of the change management team. So I had zero knowledge of what change management is at that time, right? I was just very curious. And I think that curiosity really led me into the place where I am today. So I was very curious. I started asking questions about this project. And in the end, when they came, 
to my hometown, which was about um, 900 kilometers from Moscow to interview. And uh, they saw the potential and offered me the job. So I moved to Moscow. And this is where my journey started. I was part of the amazing, fascinating project, being part of the change management, and really started understanding what it is. So moving from project to project in actually that company, then there were implementations of different SAP, of different HR, establishing shared service centers. I really uh, found my passion and I said, wow, this profession or this enabler is fascinating because this is really what the organization needs because we tend to speak a lot about technology systems, processes, standardization, but actually the key to that success is how do people actually row the boat? You give them the boat, but who is going to be leading them? Who is going to tell them and engage them? So they actually take what it takes to go from A to B in that boat. So that was that was the starting point. And indeed, I ended up after some time in China. And that was a really key turner to understand how the change management discipline can be applied in a totally different culture. Amazing experience there. But in the end, you know, Jennifer, people are people. We all want to be part of the change. We all want to feel that the change is done together with us, not to us. We all want to be recognized and rewarded. So all of the key elements of how the change is being managed is still the same. So then I ended up in in Prague, where I am currently, and it's my third year within Johnson & Johnson, and amazing opportunities here how the company is being transformed through different changes that are currently happening. So I'm fortunate to work with great leaders alongside me and um, really looking forward what the future brings with even, you know, more changes. I think the slowest pace of change that we experience is today. So I think this is a big change that I see from when I started to where I am now. The change is just becoming faster there is more change than before and there is no way back. It's just going to be even faster in in 10 years from now. I love hearing about Maria's incredible journey from a brewery all the way to a change management expert at Johnson & Johnson. Having such a vast and global perspective, Maria tells me how she defines and views change management. The way I look at it is it's really for me about people and how we approach people during the times of change. Our normal reaction as human beings is, you know, we are not really welcoming change, to be honest, right? If I tell you, for example, Jennifer, from tomorrow, you have to wake up one hour early. And your natural reaction will be like, I already get up at 4.30, right? Exactly. (laughs) I'm already waking up early enough. What do you mean? Right? So our natural reaction to change is, very linked with emotions, right? And emotions, something connected with, you know, fear or resistance or anxieties. And this is for me is the key. So how do we find the path to people's hearts and minds to ensure that they first understand why 
this change is being implemented. What's in it for them? What are the benefits? What each individual in their organization is going to get out of that? So having that empathy, having that human-centric design at the heart of the change management is the key. So I always look at the organization that it consists of Maria, of Jennifer, of John, of Becky. So these are all people, and this is important. Everyone has its view. We are all coming with our backgrounds, coming with our situations, families. So it's important that we understand people, and then we start moving together with them, get them on board, and have that coalition with people together when we implement the change. And I think for me, it's, you know, to your point, no matter where we are, if it's China, if it's Russia, if it's Europe, if it's um, US, in the end, we all have our feelings and emotions. And having that empathy and having that leadership of empathy is really important. I found many leaders who are successful having that empathy approach towards people, and they are successful in the way how they implement change because people follow those leaders. Wow. Well, listen, listeners, if you've been with me now into our third season, I think the word empathy has come up almost more than any other word (laughs) that we've heard used in terms of how someone uh, in a leadership position can help a workforce not just survive, but thrive and change. And we certainly have seen a lot of that. So some really great perspectives there, Maria. Thank you. Maria said that people need to understand why change is happening. To me, this aligns with our first tenet of successful change management, building the case for change. Essentially, if people understand why the change is necessary, they can better accept it and embrace it. I want to bring the conversation back to something else Maria touched on today, empathy. Empathy has been a hot topic the past two years, and for good reason. We've talked a lot about it on this show as well. If you're interested in hearing more about empathy in the workplace, check out Season 3, Episode 7, Building Empathy and Resilience with Positive Psychology. As someone who has worked in multiple cultures across several countries, Maria chats about the universal need for empathy. Empathy is definitely a key success factor. The other one, I would say, and probably you've talked about it, but for me, it's important that, you know, as I just mentioned to you, Jennifer, like if I tell you, hey, you have to wake up one hour earlier in the morning from tomorrow, and your instant reaction will be like, why? Why do I need to do that? What's in it for me? So those leaders that are able to really go into the heart and explain the why, what's the vision, what's ahead, and how you know we're going to move towards that future. So explaining the why, the what, and the how. And I believe it's also important uh, as number three to be able to move their organization to that point quickly and at least show some first wins. So it is going to be a bumpy road. It is going to be this curve. But the sooner you move the organization so you don't drag through that, the sooner the better. So I really appreciate the agile approach in that sense when we talk about change. 
So how do we break some of the bigger pieces into smaller elements and show minimum viable change, MVC in that case, right? What are the small changes that you can do? For example, Jennifer, don't wake up one hour early from tomorrow, but if you wake up five minutes early from tomorrow, that's already good enough. And this is how we move the needle. Learning about the concepts behind change management is one thing. Implementing them properly is something else. Maria describes the factors that need to be considered when enacting change within an organization. This is changing the way people work. It has the impact on people, on jobs. It has the impact on different aspects of the organization and interaction points. So that's a really big change on all the aspects. Location, processes, systems, uh, organizational design. So if you look at that parameter, I would say all of the key change types were hit in that transformation. And it was a very also delicate manner how to deliver and how to actually engage with the leaders who are currently leading those functions so that they will have to be the change leaders and talk to their people and engage with those people. We definitely uh, had to work really a lot with the, you know, with the key leaders, with the sponsors. And I remember, you know, we were having those conversations with the leaders and they were openly saying to us, hey, how do I do it? I mean, leaders are still human beings, right? This is also an important part to understand. It's a difficult conversation that I'm facing with my people. It's a difficult conversation that I'm facing with my direct reports and teams. So how do I bring that sensitive topic, telling them that this is coming, that they might start losing their jobs? So it was very important part of the journey to sit down with them, to open that discussion and to really openly talk about what are their fears? What are they scared? Put it on paper talk it through, what are the ways how to address it, give them the opportunity just to be vulnerable, right? To be brave and courageous and talk about it. I think that for me was a key um, at the start of my career to actually, you know, approach leaders in the sense that we are there to help them to go through that, coach them, give them the tools, have the conversations be there, you know, to listen and be their partners in that journey, in that change. Because sometimes we look at the leaders that they know everything, that they are able to handle all of the changes, but we forget that they themselves go through this change. They themselves experience all of those emotions. So I would say for me, that was a very interesting and a very enriching experience uh, when we talk about change leadership in this case. As Maria said, leaders are people too. Leaders are still learning and growing with the organization. So in terms of change and what is happening at the time an organization is going through change, what should leaders do? What should organizations do to help their leaders be successful in guiding teams through change? Through different organizations that I saw and I worked with and different leaders, the success is all about where we want to end up, right? What is our vision as the enterprise? 
we don't do change just for the sake of change. And I think having that conversation at the very, very start to say, is our change and is our transformation, is our project or program, is it a priority? How that is linked with uh, where the business is going? And do we have all it takes? Are we set for success, right? So whether it's a priority map, a roadmap of the key initiative of Big Rocks, so you name it. But for me, it's important to really have that conversations and for leaders, for themselves to see that, yes, I'm leading a very important key initiative and it is not just for the sake of change and we know where we're going. The other is how the other leaders in that organization are linked to that change? Do we have, uh, and we, we can call it a KPI tree or goals and objectives or targets so that the sponsor of the change can build a coalition of support? Because change is not as done in silo. Leaders need support. Leaders need coalitions. Leaders need followers. Leaders need that ecosystem around them to be successful. And having that network of other leaders supporting the change is important. And having that conversation, how the other objectives are linked to what we want to achieve is important. And I also saw uh, very successful leaders building that coalition, you know, making that connections. And the other one I would call out is the leaders being out there, right? So they would travel, unfortunately, due to COVID, it's not very manageable this day, but they would travel from country to country they would sit at the table, they would have face-to-face conversations with people, with employees. They would go into really deep discussions about the change or what they want to achieve and share their vision. So they would inspire and motivate people to follow them. So being there at the very front and have a direct and visible communication with employees, this is for me is another ingredient of successful leader going through the change. Not being afraid to address resistance, not being afraid to show where the risks are and really address them in timely manner, in effective manner, and still beating the drum because the change only starts when, you know, systems goes live or when processes go live or whatever go live we are talking about. It actually just starting because people are adjusting to the changes right after the go-life date. So not to forget that you have to continue beating the drum. You have to continue reinforcing and supporting people. I think the empathy of supporting, understanding, coaching people is important for the leaders. One of the points Maria brings up is something every organization dreads but cannot ignore, resistance. It's a challenge to change, and we resist it in our own personal lives, frankly. When you're trying to enact change on a grand scale, like at a company, resistance can derail the entire process. So while we might like to think that people will embrace the change because it should be better for them or improve their workday, the act of changing itself will deter many. For leaders, it is especially important to learn how to overcome that resistance in a healthy and effective way it's a natural reaction, right, to change. And you always have to really think that 
you will have people that will resist. So it's unavoidable. Um, you need to fracture that in. You need to prepare for that. And you can do it in, in different ways. And also we discussed this with leaders from the very start. What could be our preventive resistance management? What we can do already from the very start so we don't end up with many resistors in the organization? What could be our proactive resistance management so we don't sit and wait, but we actually proactively do something about it? And obviously, there will be pockets of organization that will resist. And it's very natural. Again, it's not a surprise. And you need to also count that you will have reactive resistance management. So plan for that, discuss it. And with all the, um, again, human approach and understanding how our brain actually works with those people that are resisting the most, you need to understand why. That's for me is key. Really go a little bit deeper and talk with people leaders, with supervisors, with really those that are close to people, to their real layer of the organization, uh, where the impact is and understand why this resistance is coming. Simple examples could be that some people are just not getting or not understanding how to do it. And this is where the resistance comes from. It could be the challenge of training needs, right? So maybe they were not provided the accurate training. Maybe they were not provided accurate information. And this is the resistance point. So you need to address that. Maybe it's just the desire. And people are just not willing to let go of the old ways of working. So how do we do that? How do we show them the benefits of the future, what it will bring to them? How do we get them on the journey with us from the very start and involve them in certain decision-making process? How do we make them co-creators of the solutions that we design? It can be tempting to dismiss resistance and just view it as a sign of fearing the unknown. However, the issues may be more complicated than how they seem. It's the job of a leader to investigate the why behind the conflict. So there are different reasons why people resist. And I think it's important to understand the why first before of any actions. And actually, there are good outcomes of that resistance because you actually need to understand if indeed there are some improvements into the solutions that we are making that we haven't thought about. So those resistors become our allies and you can turn them into optimistic pessimists in a way, right? So they look uh, at the solution and they find what needs to be improved. But overall, I would say when it comes to resistance, I think it's important to also think about, and I like the, you know, the analogy of the Napoleon's approach, uh, how he actually tackled resistors in, in his strategies. You know, you actually would have three big groups of people, right? One group that is really following you, right? They're early adopters, as we call them. They are very enthusiastic about the change and they are with you, right? They are your followers. Then you would have a group of people that are not still sure where they stand, right? They tend to be quiet. 
they don't really express their point of view. They're still trying to figure out what are the things that they can get out of this change. Should they follow or not? And then there is a group of resistors. And usually they can be loud or usually what I see that happens that they draw all the attention. In this situation, when the leaders pay more attention to those who resist, what happens is those people that are still undecisive, they can actually start dragging towards that group because, you know, we are paying a lot of attention to them. Or we might lose the enthusiasm from the early adopters group. So what's important in, in such situation is to continue focusing on, on the group that is in the middle in the sense that they will, if you focus their attention, right, and they will see the benefits and they will see the great outcomes, what uh, we are trying to achieve through this, through this change, you will get the two-thirds of people that will support you, which means that one-third of the resistors, they will either have to follow the already majority or they will have to make certain choices, right? I think there are some strategies that, you know, definitely uh, we can help leaders to understand and we can be their partners to observe and coach them if there is that attention point where they need to switch towards the group that is still not decisive, then spend too much time on on fighting the resistance. That's a really interesting strategy. I hadn't thought about that. So Hmm, I like that. That is a very important point because you are going to spend a lot of energy as a leader, no matter what, helping uh, an organization through change. And so where do you place your bets, basically? Exactly. Choose your fights. Exactly. Choose your fights. That's right. And I do like the expression optimistic pessimist. I think that is that is a new term that I'm going to incorporate into my own practice. I hope you don't mind me borrowing that. Absolutely. Uh, that that sums it up nicely, I think, in many cases. As someone who has been in change management for 15 years, Maria has a lot of great advice to give. I ask her what leaders and organizations can do not only to survive, but thrive in change. So we all are going through lots of changes that are happening in, in our world and environment. And I would say those leaders that see always look at the change and always see the change as an opportunity, those are the winners, whether it's a person, whether it's an organization, whether it's a group. So change is actually creating a lot of opportunities. It is sometimes difficult, challenging. We naturally, as we spoke about it, as human beings, we react with certain fear, but we need to go deeper, right? Dig deeper in ourselves and say, hey, there is a change, there is a stretch, there is a growth, and this this is the opportunity. And with the opportunity might come the win. So I would say those leaders that are able to set and shift the mindset of the organization to look at the change as something normal, as something that is not going away, as something that's our way of living these days and let's find opportunities and wins in every change, they they will definitely succeed. And we know already many, many companies that have done this incredible, you know, leap during those change times. The other, maybe second uh, point here, and, and as we talked about it, 
really understand your people, right? Understand and show the empathy. For me, I will still continue talking about we are all human beings. We are all people with our emotions. So having that emotional intelligence, having that empathy and understanding where people are coming from and why they are reacting the way they are, it will be the key for the leader um, to actually navigate through this change and lead the people through this change. And maybe the third one, it's, I would say for me, it's all about, you know, the success or what is the, the vision in the end that we want to achieve, the, the golden why, right? How do we want to connect, still go back and connect with the why we are doing the things? Because sometimes I often hear and see things that are not really linked to a deeper purpose, either of organization or to a deeper purpose of this certain role or of this certain function. But I think that's for me is the key, right? If we all answer that question, we know why this change is happening. We know it might be not so easy and smooth. We know that we have to go through this, but we understand why we need to do it. So those leaders that are capable of really help their teams to understand the why and bring those teams into that why circle, they will definitely succeed and they will move and keep the motivation and keep the engagement of the people through the change if they go back to this why. For example, in healthcare, right? Uh, Look at our medical doctors and nurses doing so many sacrifices through COVID, but their mission is so high. They are saving people, right? So they are going through this changes in their shifts and changes in their schedules, changes in the way they work, but they know why. They're saving lives, right? That's a very high mission that also helps people to go on and um, definitely will help organizations to go through different changes with when people understand the, the bigger why. In the past two years, many of us have had to learn how to manage disparate teams across hybrid workforce. However, with the rise of popularity in remote work, a dispersed team is becoming more common. Now we have whole companies that are completely remote. With employees in different states or even different countries, many are working on global scale. And Maria shares her advice for any leaders that are managing an international team through some significant change or any change, really. That's a great question. And I love this, Jennifer, because I think it's important just for any leader, especially in such global environment we live in, to understand different cultures and backgrounds uh, just generally, right? And especially during the change. Of course, you know, there are different stereotypes that we live, right? We have our biases that we have. And for me, that this is where, you know, if you are building your teams, if you are building those coalitions that will help you to go through the change, I would just advise the leaders, consider the diversity of how you want to build the team. Bring different backgrounds nationalities, genders to the table, because you will only benefit if you have different nationalities sitting at the table. Because leading global initiatives, I see absolutely, you know, different reactions, uh, behaviors, 
different engagements, how people react to change. And unfortunately, it doesn't work that way that you can paint just with one brush, right? Everything is going to be a beautiful, colorful rainbow of different things that you will see. And it's important to understand how to actually engage those different people in different countries, whether it's Israel, whether it's Russia, whether it's Turkey, whether it's Czech Republic, and I can go on and on and on. So we live in a very globalized environment. So it's it's important that we bring those views and this diversity to the table. People react and work differently. And, and that's the beauty of it. So this is also one of the reasons that I love the job, that I love the, you know, working with different people because you learn so much and you become uh, this globalized person as well. And, and you discover more things even about yourself that you haven't thought about. So really great question. And I think this is also a great opportunity how to build stronger teams when they come together during the change. Again, I see a lot of opportunities in the change. I see the change as the way to uh, make us better, stronger, find the new ways. This is where the uh, creativity, innovation kicks in. This is really something that we cannot avoid, whether we like it or not, change is going to be with us. But what we can control and what we can do is the way we look at it and the way we embrace it and what attitude do we have towards change. I think that will make a big difference. And globally, I think that will stay true no matter where you come from. If you perceive the change as something positive, as an opportunity, it will work only for you. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, thank you, Maria. This has been a wonderful opportunity to talk with you and learn about your experiences and hear some of your stories. And I know that our listeners will enjoy this. How can they get hold of you if they have questions or just want to connect with you or learn more about your experiences? So you can definitely find me on LinkedIn. So it's very easy to find uh, my profile. So Maria Yanoshikova, you can type it, Johnson & Johnson. This will be a great owner to speak uh, and to discuss more about change management. As a, as you can see, I'm very passionate. Uh, I think it's it's really a key um, competency these days. And uh, the more we talk about it and the more we help people to understand what it is about, how it can help organization and individuals, I feel the, the happier and the better we'll be. Thank you, Maria, for joining us today. We've included her links in the show notes if you want to get in contact with her. Thank you, everyone, for listening and joining our episode of Survive and Thrive podcast. Remember, at Consinity, we empower the conscious leader to realize positive and sustainable change. Until next time, don't just survive, thrive. Take care.